Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 193 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, UK's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Isn't it great when Everton win a game of football, and even more so when we win away from home? Um, and that's exactly what we've done today. Obviously, gone to West Ham United and picked up a, a fantastic 1 0 win. Um, and we, we all said that on last week's podcast, we, we all fancied it. We all thought we, we'd go there and, and win the games, and we were, we were alive. I think you're 1-0, Peter, pretty sure it was 1-0, wasn't it? You had nail, nail on the head. Absolutely happy to be right. <laughs> and I think we only had 2-1, so we, we knew it was going to be a tight game. But with West Ham playing in Europe on Thursday, having to travel, travel to Greece, obviously they, they lost that game as well. Fatigue is always a factor, especially when you're travelling and Everton have taken have taken full advantage and got a got a priceless win away from home. And it's it's great to see that you know it keeps us moving up the table a little bit on goal difference, yes, but it it, it puts a big gap and it sounds terrible, but it puts a big big gap between us and the bottom three, which is which is the first the first obviously uh, target this season is to stay stay away from there. Uh, but Julian me and Peter's obviously uh, Friend of the show, the fourth week of the podcast is, is Phil Haywood. Um, but Phil, you know, we, we've got to start on the uh, unfortunately the, the sad events that have uh, have hit the club this week with the, the death of, of Chairman Bill Kenwright. We, we saw at today's game against West Ham uh, that there was there was tributes there. There was there was obviously a minute of applause, um, and West Ham put it put a wreath on the on the seat that Bill Kenwright would have occupied if if he had been there. So. So it's been a, a difficult week, hasn't it, for the club with, with the, the death of the chairman? We, we know what's gone on in recent times. Uh, of course, we, we know it's uh, the, the back end of his time. The chairman has been a, a very negative one, unfortunately. Uh, but obviously, a, a terrible loss for his family, friends, and and the club, the players, and and the manager as well. Yeah, massively. I think um, been very classy across the football world, really. Um, like you said, Mike, you know, we've had a lot of negativity the last couple of years and obviously, you know, the, the fans have been up in arms about where the, the direction of the club and where it's going. But, you know, you can't you can't forget some of the, you know, the times we had under like David Moyes with the partnership of, of uh, Bill Kenwright and, and Moyes were. And, and obviously we've got some European nights and we've got some, you know, top six, top four finishes. Um, and they seem to have a lot of... Um, Fans from basically around the football world, which were mourning his death, and and rightly so, Pete, wasn't it? You know, in terms of the reaction, like like Phil has mentioned, there, there's a lot of respect for for Bill Kenwright within within the world of football, especially within I think the the, the Premier League. A lot of a lot of the you know the, the people who've worked at other clubs for many years have got a, a working relationship with him, and and we've seen the reaction from current players, ex players of of Everton Football Club. Um, he, he certainly meant a lot to to, to those people, didn't he? And uh, the tributes this week we've seen, obviously from Seamus Coleman, the manager Dominic Calvert Lewin spoke before the game and after the game. They, they've all been keen to, to express their their gratitude to to how he's been with them as people, as humans. Um, and and it's I think that you know today a lot of the interviews post match have, have dedicated that win to to Bill Kenwright, which shows. That the highest team he was held in within within the bars of a football club. Definitely, I, I think like Phil said that you know the words are class and respect. I think for, particularly from the world of sport, and it's big dividends, doesn't it? That I, I think a lot of people have come out and prompted to, um, you know, to to kind of share their condolences and their experiences of Bill Kenwright as a person. I know we were um, we all spoke privately about kind of Marco Silva's comments and. 
how well he spoke about his time at the club and his relationship with Bill Kenwright. And I think, I think really, Mike, you, you know, we, we were talking a few days ago and um, you put it perfectly, really, that the last few years have, have probably affected the way that maybe some fans have responded to to Bill Kenwright and you know to the news that he's died. But I think we all need to see his time in context, don't we? And I think we all need to remember him as the, the man who loved Everton and to see that as such a big feature of, of who he was. And I think it's important he's remembered in that way. Correct, and obviously Eversoans will, will have the chance to, to show their respect on Wednesday night um, when, when we face Burley in the, in the Carabao Cup at Goodison Park, the first time we will have played at home since since the death of, of, of Bill Kenwright. So it goes out saying, obviously, our thoughts and, and, and prayers are with his, his family and friends. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure come, come Wednesday night at Goodison Park, there'll be a very respectful atmosphere and, uh, and an atmosphere of of reflection, but it it was almost fitting today, Phil. And obviously, we we, we played against the David Moyes side, um, and, and we played in in a manner uh, that was almost befitting of a, a David Moyes Everton performance. You know, Sean Dice, as as we've seen in 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 recent times, our away form has, has really picked up. Um, I think that's fifteen points he's picked up away from home since we've since he's come into the club. Which, when we look back at, at previous managers in in recent years and and how poor. Our waveform, our waveform was being under them. You know, he, he really seems to have found a recipe, doesn't he, Sean Dice, to, to, to for us to be effective, for, for us to be efficient, and go away from home and 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 be a real problem for for, for many sides. And and today's is another example of that. Hundred percent, Mike. I, I, I listened to the the interviews after the game, and that's the first time West Ham haven't scored at home in tw- in the calendar year, twenty twenty three. Um, which is massive all West Ham's uh, problems with size and skill and they've got so I know they've been on a bit of a um a poor form of, of conceding goals of late, but you know, I didn't realise that. That's the first time they haven't scored in the calendar year at um the London Stadium. Um no it was, it was very much a dogged performance as in like all stuck together, all were quite narrow, um, kept the the, the gaps between defence and midfield and midfield to, to forward quite quite um quite narrow where West Ham couldn't really play around us. It had to be either a great ball in or if they did get past Mikalenko, you had Branthwaite there. If they got past um, um, out wide on the other side, you had um, Tarkowski there or you had Onara. I thought it was terrific. And like you said, the way we counted um, with, with Dice being at the club, the away games, we soak it in, we soak it in. And then what I found really impressive is we do break with numbers albeit I think it's very slow if I'm going to be super negative and and we do pick sometimes the wrong option, uh, the final ball. But, you know, the desire to get forward and the desire to put numbers forward is very impressive, actually. It is, and, and we've seen it work really well in terms of us countering with a bit more pace. Obviously, we always go back to Brighton, Brentford this season, away from home, we did it a few times. But like you say, I think sometimes when we do look to counter, which is what we're looking to do, obviously we will soak things up especially away from home. I think now that the way that we set up is it, it's mirrored wherever we tend to go. And we'll go there and think, well, if we can get a point, we'll get a point. That's that's the, the least that we, we want to try and pick up. But we, we trust ourselves to, to counter. But like you say, at times there's a little bit pedestrian, a little bit slow, but we do tend to break with, with bodies. And we've just got to be a little bit braver at times and a little bit quicker to when we, when we do break because, you know, we, we can then... You know, we went ahead today. We can then go two or three ahead at times when 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 sides are that a little bit more open and and they're chasing the game. But if if we rewind back a little bit, you know, looking at the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, we were speaking, Pete, weren't we, about how we were sort of we were getting pending a little bit, and we we, we weren't effective when we had the ball. We we weren't doing a great deal with it in terms of possession wise, and and there was nothing really happening up top. But then Everton then. Whether that sort of first 15, 20 minutes and, and then came into, into the game as the first half went on? Definitely, yeah. I, th- I thought we, it might be a bit unfair to say we started poorly, but uh, I felt like West Ham really set the pace of the game. And I, I, I think we struggled with that a little bit. I, I thought West Ham were really smart, really. I, I, I said in our, um, our group that they, they seemed to have a kind of a, a key attacking philosophy of just. Obviously, we were we were dropping deep, and they they seem to put two players at least on on kind of our 
um, our back line on our last man. Um, and then you had the likes of Paquetta and Bowen who would come in with the late run. And there were a few times I thought, you know, the goal's coming here because they were kind of, uh, you know, get, getting close to the, the byline or the six yard and just looking to play the square cross to the late runner behind the line. There was that space. Um, but I thought we defended really, really well. And I think weirdly, probably the thing I felt that helped us was that weird um, kind of altercation between uh, like Kudus and Tarkovsky and Pickford because that really slowed the pace of the game down. There were a couple of moments like that that I think probably served in our favour in the first half that changed the pace of the game um, and kind of stopped the momentum of West Ham. And I think once we got into the second half, you could see we just had, we had a, a bit more confidence about us, I think. Um, and the, the game looked very different. And I, I think, like Phil said, we were really, really impressive at times going forward, if not a, a bit wasteful. Obviously, there was the Harrison chance in the first half where he, he had his pick really of slipping in either Calvert-Loon or Decore and, 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 you know, maybe did it a little bit. I know they said in the... The, the commentary on Sky, um, the centre half. I don't know how to say his name. Is it Aguerd or however you say it? He, he got his position in spot on and made it difficult for Harrison. Then there's obviously the the, the Corvey chance where he's connected with it really well. It's a brilliant save. There were a couple of moments like that where arguably we could have done a little bit better. But um, I th- I think getting through that first period was really really key for us. And on, on the Harrison chance as well, obviously, we, we restricted West Ham, I thought, really well in the first half. They, they didn't, as much as they had quite a bit of the ball, and you mentioned there, PT, early on, they were getting in behind, weren't they, and putting balls across the box. And, and I thought we uh, defended particularly well. Our centre-half, oh, no, it, it was a terrific little game, by the way. Listen, I, I wax the club out, I'm doing Nana all the time. And I did it again on Twitter post-match. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I thought he absolutely controlled the midfield against a difficult, you know, a difficult side. You've, you've got a, a decent home record, of course, like like you were saying earlier on, Phil. The first game at home we haven't scored in in, the, in this calendar year. But I thought that's the kind of game we've seen it quite a few times this season. We've seen the consistency thrown on it. But that's the kind of game where you want to control them to midfield, and, and that's exactly what he did. Um, so we were defending those situations quite well. But then when we got that chance and, and we broke. And you just thought, I, I was fine with Harrison going on his own. Um, Calvert-Lewin's made the run. The Corys almost sort of, they make, make a similar run because it sort of got in the way really. It wasn't a great run. But I was fine with Harrison going alone. And even on his left foot, I just thought, you know, we, we've seen what he can do, what he can do with that. Um, he didn't catch it at all well, did he, Phil? And at, at that point, you think, you know, in a game where we are going to be, you know, not probably creating loads and loads of chances and we're looking to counter that was a chance of thought, you know, we, we've got to take those, otherwise it might come back to haunt us. Marshall, mate, especially any away game in this league, you know, you can be punished straight away. And I think of the opportunities we, we have created away from home and certainly today, you've got to you've got to put one or two away or at least test the keeper just to take the pressure off the back line because, you know, for a fact, I always say you've got to score when you're on top. And there was times where, right, we, like you said, the first 20 minutes we soaked it up a little bit, but... When you get opportunities, you have to take them because you don't get many set plays away from home or breakaways. And it just takes that little bit of pressure off the back line because, you know, like we were talking about before, West Ham, they're a decent side, in all fairness. Um, I think they'll be up in the top 10 again, in, in all fairness. I think he's got them organised and they've got goals from all over the place. Um, it just, like you said, Meg, I've got no issue with Harrison going alone. Um, I just think you've, if you are, because there are other options, you've got to do better in, in those areas. But... No, you'd be worried if you weren't getting them. Do you know what I mean? And the lad, if he scores that top bin, you know, you're all over him. So you can't really complain if he misses as well, kind of thing. No, of course, of course. And, you know, the fact that we broke again, you mentioned earlier on, we, we do break in numbers. We will go with, with, you know, more than just one person who then finds themselves isolated. But that's why it's so important. When we're getting in those areas, let's let's take our chances. Um, but... It came, you know, it came and you know, when it came, Pete, what, what a goal it was. Listen, from Brantwaite's tackle where he poleaxes the West Ham player. I know they went back to look at that, by the way, but it's, it's a great tackle. It's just a great tackle. He, he, you know, the concerns around Brantwaite before he was given his chance, understandable concerns, by the way, the fact that he's gone away to, to a, a much slower league in terms of Holland, but he went away and he consistently played. 
He also uh, won a trophy and they wanted to sign him. So you know what you're going to get. You know, I've said it time and again, it brings balance to, to our, our two centre halves, a right footer and a left footer. It's a great tackle. You know, we did it all game and we, you know, it, the one he got pulled for on Antonio in the second half was, was ridiculous, by the way. It's just a fantastic tackle. And we've seen him do it time and again, but he wins it. And then from there, you know, it's it, it's Calvert-Lewin, it's Calvert-Lewin, Harrison, back to Calvert-Lewin. And, and Pete, that, that, that's prime Dominic Calvert-Lewin. That little touch, that little shift away, which was lovely, wasn't it? Created that, that little half a yard, gets his shot away quickly. He said himself after the game, he knew today he wasn't going to get loads and loads of chances. He was going to be a little bit frustrated and isolated, maybe. Um, but that's what, what, what we've come to expect from, from Calvert-Lewin when he's fully fit. Having obviously now so many games consecutively and he's playing week in, week out. What a finish. And like I say, that's what we want to see, what we want to see Dominic Cavill Lewin doing week in, week out, isn't it? Yeah, it was a brilliant goal. I was absolutely, it was absolutely tough for him. I, I I didn't think we were going to score from that position, to be honest. Like you like you say, Brant, it was absolutely immense. And his positioning and his timing is just spot on. And he's so consistent with it as well, I think, for for such a young player. Um so you know, hopefully his trajectory continues. But yeah, really commanding. Win, I think wins the ball just inside the um, the West Ham half. Comes through to Harrison. Lovely little exchange between him and Calvert Lewin. Um, and it's, it's like a, a little Cruyff, isn't it? Or a, 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 almost a half Cruyff. Um, just a wrong foot the defender, and then I don't think he even needed to take a look. Did he? He, he knew where the goal was. He knew what shot to play. Um, and it's an absolutely brilliant finish. And I, yeah, I'm really, really pleased for him because he he looks fit and sharp, doesn't he? Um, and I, I I think he was on for was it about 80 minutes, 80 85 minutes. So you know he's essentially played the full game, but he he looks like the dominant Calvert Lewin of old, and um, I'm thrilled for him. You know, on a on a personal level for, for him as a player, but it's it's brilliant news for Everton um, because I think the last two seasons have shown just how reliant we are on him. And I think there was probably a point in time where most Evertonians thought that we might not be able to see him um, again, or certainly not, you know, anywhere near this kind of level of form and fitness. So it's absolutely brilliant, and it's definitely something to be um, to be celebrated. Do, do you know his goal was that good? And like you said, Prime Calvert Lewin, boys. Like I think for the Decore chance where he flicks that down, I, that was just as good as his goal for me. You know, where he's he's gone up halfway line, flicked it on. The core ran through and it was a great save. He took it early. But like you said, that is prime Calvert Lewin. Like he, he can play of his left, he can play in the air, he can bring it on his chest. I thought he's he's frightening. And he just when you're at the game or you're watching it, you don't feel like, oof, he's gonna pull up here. He just looks fit, doesn't he? I think I think that, that that's really key, is that because you know when he was coming back um to, to fitness over the last 18 months, two years or so, and you know, we we'd be getting back and we almost in the back of our minds knew he's being rushed back here, hasn't he? Because we, we need him. And you're always thinking, you know, when he when he does slide in or when he does jump, when he lands, what's gonna happen? And I saw a couple of times today where he was sliding and trying to nip the ball, wasn't he? He was about two or three times. And previously I'd think, oh, don't do that, just just let it go. But this this seems I don't want I don't want to attempt fate. Listen, I just don't want to attempt fate, but the fact that he's been able to string a fair few games together now and looks stronger by the week. You know, he's come back, he scored four goals in now, which is which is, you know, a terrific, terrific return. Um it's the Dominic Calvert Luna that we all we all know and love, isn't it? That that we saw under Ancelotti, you know, diff, obviously different manager. It was a bit different then obviously with Richard Charles and quite often in and around Calvert Lewin. But he, he leads a line really well. You know, when you say there, that little flick out of it for Decore, the way, the way that he leads that, it's a lovely little touch on. So we did it a couple of times, you know, winning the ball in the air um, against, you know, I mean, Kedzuma, I mean, how good Kedzuma is. And, and he, I thought he, he did well against him. He held the ball up well, as he does. And like you say, I think mentally, never mind mentally for us as fans, mentally for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for him to know in his head now, listen, I'm, I'm recovered here. Physically, I'm recovered and mentally. So he's not, he's not worrying about overexerting himself. We said it in on previous podcasts in recent weeks, the manager deserves immense credit for for basically Mason Dominic Calvert Lewin back, back to health because he's gone about things the right way. And obviously on the um on the BBC 
podcast, nothing will be the same. A lot, a lot of obviously discussions around that uh, with the manager, and he says, you know, we had to get him back, he had to get him right, and and Calvert Lewin thanked him for that. And quite often in press conferences, you you think back, and it was getting boring for the manager. I think every single week, people saying, "How far is Dominic Calvert Lewin away from from getting fit? Um, you know, when when's he going to be back?" Just because we we're in such a state, and because we we thought relegation was almost inevitable, we were looking for a hero. And the manager was probably getting bored of it. And he knew in his head, he's not coming back until, he, until he's ready physically, he's ready uh, mentally. Uh, and he even alluded to the fact that there was a bit of a joke made around the whole um, buying the right mattress. Dominic Cavalier, if you think back to a few months ago, uh, last season, to making sure that he was doing everything. And Sean Dice went, you know, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. He said, but we were looking at everything. You know, we were trying to think out of the box. It's not just about what you do with Finch Farm. Trading-wise, you know, it's what you do at home, you know, are you driving the right car? You know, because so he's so finely tuned as, as a footballer, as an athlete, that little thing sometimes can can really help. And t- today was just, a, you know, evidence of, of that, how, how he, he has recovered and how how grateful we are as fans to, to, to see him back. And, you know, we, we know he's a threat and centre-halves know he's a threat. You know, when, when you've got an Everton side with Dominic Calvert-Lewin in, compared to Everton side with with all, all due respect, Neil Mopey, it's it's night and day. And, you know, since the half not been in the game when Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, is starting when, it, when he's playing. And great to see, great great finish. You know, another great performance from him. And, like, you know, 85, 88 minutes or so before Yusuf Chimiti came on to, to, to see the game out. But that, on that decorate chance, Pete, what, what was your thoughts on that? Because at the time, I'm thinking to myself, you know, Take another touch, maybe. Though, I mean, he catches it brilliantly, by the way. And it's got to be said, it's a fantastic save. Um, it, it, it's a great save by, by the West Ham keeper, Ariola. But do you think that he would have had time to take a touch, or do you think he's done, he's done the right thing? So easy to say on a television replay, isn't it? When when you're not in a game real time, I think he did the right thing by by just leathering it. I think the way it, the way it fell for him, you know, he, he's obviously known just on gut instinct that he can put his foot through it and he can connect well. And I, I thought it was a great strike. I think it's just a simple case of it was a really brilliant save um, from the West Ham keeper. And look, if it's a little bit, a bit more either side of the keeper, it's it's in, isn't it? And I, I think even if you look at the connection the keeper's got on it, he's got such a good hand. Like the amount of distance after the keeper connects with it, it's travel to then get round the post. I think a lot of other keepers would have got a hand on that and it would have ended up in, in the net. Um, you know, if, if he takes a touch, you know, the the pace of the game's so quick, you'd have defenders on his shoulder and then, you know, is he going to get a, a good quality shot away? It's so easy to say, isn't it, that, you know, he had time to take a touch or he, he could have taken a touch. It was the right shot for me and it was a really good connection. Um, but it's another one of those cases, isn't it, that it, it's, it's a game where we we arguably could have done more with the, the chances that we um, that we had. Yeah, it's, we look back on that, don't we? And at the time, if we go 2-0 up, you'd think it's game over there, wouldn't you, Phil? You, you, could, you could go into the last sort of 20 minutes or so thinking, you know, and I, I couldn't I couldn't see a way back for West Ham at all at 2-0, but that, that's when you sort of start questioning what could he have done different. But I look back on it after the game and I just think if he takes a touch there, the defender's probably going to get it because he hasn't got the pace. I don't think to, to, to sort of get to the ball before the defenders, but... It's still a big, big chance and, and one, Phil, which would have made it a little bit more comfortable for us all for those final 20 minutes or so. Yeah, well, we, to be fair, apart from the, um, obviously the Bournemouth game last year, we don't really see the Corey shoot from distance anyway. He, he seems to drive with the ball, which I was, which is why I was quite surprised when I watched it. But I agree with P. I think it was the way it's set up for him. It's like bounces, he connects it. I think, he, although it was a great save, I thought, I think the keeper wasn't sure whether he was going to drive or, or shoot but he got down low I just feel if he does take a touch he has to take a touch to his left because there's a, an oncoming defender on his on his right shoulder which obviously you know put him off balance and I don't think he'd, he'd have to cut back inside so I do think he, he snatched, snatched at it quite early but I think it was the right thing to do to be fair Yeah I think as I say I think it's, it's always easy when you look at replays and you look back on things or, or you make even when you make a snap judgement but He's probably got it right there, and on another day it goes in. It's, it's a decent save, and you know he's caught it really, really well. Probably, probably as well as he caught the goal for the, for the Bournemouth game. To be honest with you, at the, the end of last season. But 
Um, unlucky not to go further ahead there, and it would have been it would have been deserved for me. You know, we we caused we caused some, a few problems. I had a fair few chances. You know, certainly the Harrison chance in the first half was, was the best chance. He probably could have done better with the second chance in the first half as well. Uh, I know Dom at the bar second half. I think it was offside. The flag the flag eventually went up, but he was Calvert Lewin was playing on the shoulder all the time, wasn't he? And he was he was timing those runs pretty pretty well. I know they was they were borderline. But he was timing them well, and that was causing problems for the defenders in the centre half because they, they weren't sure when to step out because because Dom, Dom's timing was was brilliant. And um, I, th- I think all in all, you know, if we, we look at the, the West Ham chances even in the second half, I thought we kept them pretty quiet. I know Pickford made a couple of saves. One was offside, wasn't it? Um, but the the one late on where he, where he's, he's parried it away, it was pretty comfortable to be fair. And, and Pickford's going to be happy there, isn't he? Isn't he, Pete? You know, it's a it's a clean sheet. Um, it's a second clean sheet now in two games, which is you know, as a goalkeeper, he's going to be delighted. The defence should be delighted by it. You know, we 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 spoke about Brantwaite right, being terrific. Mikhailenko, Pete. Uh, you know, the last two games against Salah, I thought he was terrific, and I know Salah scored two goals, but it it, it certainly wasn't a reflection on Mikhailenko's performance. And I thought he carried through. That form from the Merseyside derby into this game today. I thought his, his turn of his tackles was was really good. Um, we, we know he's, he's never going to bomb forward. You know, with the best will in the world. I know he pull a couple of crosses in, but that's just not his game. But Mikhailenko, I think, in the last last few weeks or so, has, has really come alive and and that probably probably maybe silenced a few a few doubters in the process. Definitely, yeah, you're, you're right to highlight him. And like I've always said, I think Mikalenko's a good defender. I think, you know, people forget what a young player he is, and that he's, you know, he's not, he's not Luca Dean in terms of going forward. I think it's, it's been so unhelpful for him. I think really to have those shoes to fill because we're so, we were so used to seeing Dean's attacking output and Dean's crossing. I think people then have expected something very similar for Mikolenko, which is unfair because he's a different type of player and you're a very, very young player. But defensively, I've always thought that that he's excellent. You know, look, you look at the way that he's, he's handled players like Salah. I know we lost to Arsenal, but he was brilliant against um, against Saka. He was great against Saka when he, he played for U- Ukraine against England. So, you know, he's, he's clearly a hard-working, organised, accomplished defensive player. Um, I think we maybe just need to be a bit more realistic about you know, how young he is and that he's a player in development in terms of his game going for- forward and his attacking play. And it might be that, you know, with the way that we, we play now, you, you, you don't, you don't you don't see that from you know from from Mikalenko as a player, um, but I thought the back four and Jordan Pickford in particular were absolutely outstanding. Um, I know there, there was a he made a brilliant save from a chance that was eventually offside where he he kind of saved it at point blank, um, but I thought he was really he was really accomplished and there, there was a moment in the game, I think after the the Kudus incident uh, that the. the the commentary highlighted on Sky where maybe he was at risk of losing his, his cool a little bit. Um, I think he, he maybe a bit hastily uh, tried to, to play a, a quick kick after picking up the ball. And I don't know whether Sean Dyche had kind of shouted something at him to, to slow down or calm it down a bit. And you could see him gesticulating, but I, I thought he did well to manage himself after that. Because, you know, I think maybe two or three years ago, it could have been one of those games where Pickford goes on to make a mistake that then gets really kind of highlighted and everybody focuses on it and blows it up out of proportion. So I think we, we often say on this podcast, you know, when Pickford has a quieter game and does everything well, you know, gets a clean sheet, it's really important to highlight that as well because I, I thought he was really excellent today. Yeah, we, we know, don't we, that, that, that Jordan Pickford can be an emotional beast, can and, and we've seen him over the years. We know, obviously, he, he brought in a... Um, a, a sports therapist, and you know, sat down with them and and spent quite a bit of time under Carlo Ancelotti when when Carlo brought in uh, Olsen, didn't he, for for quite a few games, and and he's it sort of really settled him down, and we know how important Jordan Pifford is is for us, and like I say, one of his quieter games, with what he had to do, he did well, you know, like he you mentioned that save that was obviously eventually offside, but it's a great save, of course, um, and and he's so important to to us, and and we know. You know, one of, the, one of the key reasons why we survived in the last two seasons for me is down to down to the level of performance from, from Jordan Pickford. 
Uh, but Phil, before we finish off, obviously discussing the West Ham game, just on Vitaly Mikhalenko. Have you been impressed by him in in, in the, the last last you know two or three weeks or so? Is he is he somebody now who maybe we're starting to see, you know, taking a bit of time, but now properly adapting to to the English game? Massively, mate. Again, I think what you see is what you get with Mikhalenko. Like we've discussed, he's not going to bomb on. He's a seven, eight out of ten every week. In fairness, like you said, we, we you know Salah got two goals, but he did have a great game with him. Um, I think what I've noticed as well, and I, I'd like to see now, is that is the back four that stays the back four. Like I think they're all confident in each other. Like Mikalenko, again, not many people get past him, and if they do get past him, he does stop the cross, whether that goes off for a corner or whatever. And again, they got Branthwaite. Again, the balance there, left footed centre half, left a left back with a left foot rather than playing young there or or whoever. Um, Coleman from years gone by has played there, but no, I, I do, I do think, and I think, I think the players, I reckon his nickname probably in him is Mister Consistent, but in the training ground because I just think like he's, he doesn't try things he can't do. He'll edit, he'll kick it, he'll play it, he'll keep it short. He, if he has to um, go long, he'll go long, and I think, you know. To say Saka and Salah are probably the two best wide men in the league, and he's had you know the last two or three games against them each, you know whether it's international or, or domestic, he, he's been outstanding. I think, I think a lot of people like playing with him, whether that's a McNeil in front of him or a Branthwaite alongside him. I think they like to play with him because, like you said, he, he's steady Eddie, isn't he? He's, he's a seven, eight, or ten every week. There's not many games he's, in recent games, maybe in his last 20, 30 games, where you think. Oh, yeah, he, he had a nightmare there, personally. I think if he has a nightmare, the whole team has a nightmare. It's not just him particularly. I think he's been uh, an unsung hero, let's say. I'll, I'll class him as. I think you're right. And and, and I think that left-hand side of defence now, we've included Brantwaite and Mikhailenko, it's, you know, we know Brantwaite has, has come and done really well. But it's starting to bring a real solidity to, to the team. And, and with McNeil in front, I mean, sure, Dice must be delighted because we know he, he likes... Uh, you know, defensively is 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 the first thing that that he looks at. You know, we, we've we've got to be resilient. We, we've got to be effective and efficient defensively, and that's what that left hand side, you know, is becoming. And um, looking at obviously the other side now, we, we said last week about Patterson now taking his chance. I thought he played well today. Started a little bit ropey, got beaten a couple of times, but I thought he grew into the game. And he needs games. You know, like Mihalenko needed games to to obviously cement his place. So does Patterson, and there's no reason why for me now he should be getting taken out. Obviously, Seamus Coleman, he's close. He's he's very, very close. Uh, we may see him on Wednesday, possibly, but I think Nathan Patterson deserves his run there. Uh, and we're starting to get, you know, when you can have the same group of players playing week in, week out, whether it be defensively, in midfield, uh, you know, in, in attacking areas, I think it really helps the side, you know, on the whole to, to, to gel together. I was just to say a couple of years ago, Mike, I said with Pickford, I said he didn't know who was centre-half partners where it was Michael Keane one week, Holgate, uh, Godfrey, uh, talk, whoever it was, Tarkowski. I think as well, um, you know, in front of him, you've got like, I think he knows now that, you know, McNeil plays on the left, you know, James Garner, you know, is a, is a shoe-in. You've got Jack Harrison on the right way. You see like Garner Gay, he's finding it hard to get back in. You see Dan Juma finding it hard to get in the team. Where last, you know, maybe two or three weeks, it's been the same since Villa away maybe in the Cup. It's been the same kind of starting team or, you know, we had the home game after that and then we, um, where Jack Allison scored that great goal, Bournemouth. And even in the derby, it was the same kind of team where it's not been tinkered around where quite potentially that could happen Wednesday night. You're right, and it's, it's, it's a perfect segue into, into Wednesday night and whether we are going to make changes because obviously the, the Carabao Cup is our next game at home against Burnley. Um, and we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Saints podcast as we look ahead to the visit of, of Burnley to Goodison Park, um, Carabao Cup action. And it, it's going to be a, a, a game now which we can go into quite relaxed. You know, the, the, the angst of the Premier League, you know, we, we've won two of the last three, we've won four of the last six in all competitions, which is a fantastic return, by the way, and, and should have really been better if we're being honest with that. Luton gave it a real blip on. Uh, out of those last six games, but the, the Burnley game, it, it, in my mind, after the after the the uh, the full time whistle today, I I just felt you know we, we can go there now, and it, it's a, obviously it's a, it's a free hit for everybody. We should be relaxed, but I do think Pete, we are going to see a, 
not loads of changes because the manager does take this competition seriously. You know, we Jordan Pickford always seems to start in it, which is is always a, I think a um, a key sign the mind yeah wants to do something in this competition. You know, we've seen many, you know, over the years how many times has the goalkeeper being changed, but I fully expect Jordan Pickford to start. But there are going to be questions elsewhere. You know, when we look at managing players and you know managing the performance and the um, how much strain they put on the body, Dominic Calvert Lewin probably one example. You know, we've got a Jessica again, like Phil mentioned before the break, he's obviously eager to probably come back in. Seamus Coleman, Dan Juma, does better water Missy come in, uh, which is another question. There's a there's a few players there who are going to be eager to to, to get a go. But uh, you know, if they do get a go, Pete, it's, it's important that they come in and and take the chance because like we've said, this side is now fairly settled, isn't it? Definitely, yeah, and I, I, I think you're right. I think potentially we, we might see either an unchanged back four or potentially just a, a single change, uh, maybe a right back for, for the game. Um, and it, yeah, of course, it's important to try and stay in the com- in the competition and to, to have a little bit of a cup run and be competitive. But I also think it's really important to keep your, your winning momentum and um, for me, that's probably something that's going to be firmly in Sean Dyche's mind. I, I would like to see changes further up the pitch. I think it's an opportunity for for Beto and Chimiti to prove themselves and grow the confidence a little bit. Um, Dan Juma as well. I, I think what will be interesting, though, you know, not to get too, too tactical, but I, I guess it's been really highlighted, hasn't it, how effective the press has been against Burnley. And I think whoever does come in if changes are made like you said they're going to have to really really be up for it they're going to have to be organized they're going to have to work because probably the probably the success of our approach to the game is going to depend so much on work rate and fitness and consistency and organization and that's always the risk isn't it when you you change an established system or what we're now starting to see in a crystallized kind of team and setup when you bring new people in are they going to have the same kind of work rate and commitment and organisation and belief as the person that they've replaced? And that's always the gamble around how many changes you make for a game like this. You'd like to think, wouldn't you, that, that you know the, the players you have been watching on from the sideline, obviously the manager didn't really use a substitute bench today against West Ham, but those players must be looking and thinking, you know, I'm dying to get on there and show what 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 I'm, you know, what I'm worth. And, you know, players who... Who was starting not too long ago? You know, Dan Juma. We had a conversation, Phil. We mentioned it last week when we went for, for some food about, you know, um, Dan Juma about being the new Kevin Morales. And then ever since that time, he hasn't got a look in, has he? And, and it's it's funny how football, how football works and how, how things can change so quickly. But I'm sure, you know, I think him in particular, he's going to be really keen to show the mind, yeah, you know, what, what he's missing by not playing him, isn't he? Yeah, f- for me, I, I would. You know, like Pete said, the key words momentum. You, you want to win football matches. You know, we, when we got the draw, Aston Villa away, we always thought, oh, typical out, out first round. And then, you know, we got that win and we built on it from the Bournemouth game, I think. Personally, I would keep the defence as it is. You know, you build on this clean sheet, get a good understanding as the back four. Um, but like you said, there'll be lads there, you know, because he does, obviously doesn't change much, itching to get in that start 11. And it... Uh, it seems to be like um, whoever comes in now knows exactly the script. You know, I, I personally think he might make three, possibly four changes, just personally, like to give everyone an opportunity to, to, to if the forward players, I mean, like you might see a Garner Gay come in, um, you might see a, a Beto come in for Calvert-Lewin, you might see maybe either one of the wingers having a little rest um, and Dan Juma come in, maybe Chimiti, I don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't bring any on. He thought a bit similar to Leicester last year. These lads can do, you know, some looked like they were flagging a bit, but, he, he, you know, he kept he kept on going because the concentration levels were, were so high. Um, but I, 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 if I was Dice, I would, I would like to think he'd keep that same back four and get a good understanding because going forward, you think that should be the back four. And obviously, Coleman's had a long-term injury and I don't know if Ashley Young comes back in. I don't know. Um in, in future weeks, but I'll try and make that as your back four. I think that's our strongest back four. Um, and then going forward, I think it's a game where, well, what will Burnley, like Pete might say, you know, they might use it as a game where they get their first win as a springboard to then push them on the Premier League, or do they think, no, we've got more important things to do? You know, we'll play some of the, the reserve, uh, reserve lads and, you know, rest for the league. It's hard to tell, really, but I think 
you know, West Ham away is a difficult place to go and you need to, like Pete said, you need to keep that momentum going and then that takes you on to the next game against Brighton at home who, who don't seem to be, you know, flying at the moment. So, um, I'll be as strong as you can, but I do think he's got these lads in the wings, like your Dan Jumas, your Garners, your Betos, itching, itching to get involved. Which is exactly the situation that we, we've strived for, haven't we, for, for, for quite a while now. You know, we, we know the struggles we had at the back end of last season where we were just fitting players in ju- just to play a position that, that was not so much alien to them, but it certainly wasn't the preferred position. Whereas we look at now and we think, well, there's, there's a fair few players there that can slot in and come in and look to take a chance. There's competition for places, which, you know, who would have thought that that um, Garner Gay wouldn't be on the team sheet week in, week out? You know, you just wouldn't, wouldn't have thought. Obviously, got that unfortunate injury before the, the Borbus game, which meant that Amadou Nane got the, got the nod in that game. And that you, you look at him and James Garner now, and you just think, well, I wouldn't take out of those out for, for Garner Gay. And I love Garner Gay, you know, over the years for us, before he gave news to, to PSG, he was terrific. I think he's come back and he's done well. We know what he's all about. But, you know, him him especially, you know, what, what a player to have on the bench in terms of the quality that, that he brings to the side. Like you said there, mate, you, you absolutely nailed it. And I think years gone by, I think we could all name the team on Saturday. I think this year, the squad's so flexible and, you know, you make one mistake or, or you have a slight injury and there's someone there to take your position and we'll keep that position for three, four, five games. And I think... That's where Dice has got it right this year. Like, you know, waves of attack. We're not relying on one person as a striker. We've had years gone by that, you know, players behind Calvert Lewin look like they're going to score or at least get chances. I mean, McNeil's, your Harrison's, your Decore's. But you've still got that uh, screen of an Onana, a Garner Gay, a James Garner. But like you said, I, could, I, I thought James Garner might be a bit too weak to play as a, as a midfielder, essentially. But he's making that position his own. And like you said, Mike, I, I've loved Garner Gay. He's been one of my favourite players. But age catches up with us all. But um, just one mishap. And the level of competition and training must be really good. And I think he's got rid of the bad eggs or the, the players who, who are itching for a move. And they all seem to be, be happy and wanting to be here. And it's all it's always obviously easier to, to feel that way when, when you're winning games of football. And like you say, when you've got momentum, the, the positive mood around the sailing ground at the moment must be night and day compared to what, what the players were going through at the back end of last season. Um and you know, that that does build resilience in, in a side and the fact that they stuck together the last two seasons for those players have been around for and the, you know, they they've gone through that and and hopefully now we're starting to see ourselves come off the other side. Um, obviously, depends on this independent commission uh, that that we're currently that we that we're going through. But you know, it's hopefully the future is that little bit brighter. But um, you know, we're facing a Burnley side, Peter. It were really struggling. You know, a side that when they when they came up to the Premier League, they won the championship at an absolute canter, didn't they? Uh, and they were playing this different brand of football. You know, they were used to the Sean Dyche way of playing. Uh, you know, being resilient. Not not great on the eye sometimes, but you know they they certainly put above the weight fit for many many years in the Premier League under Sean Dyche. Uh, but they brought in Vincent Company in the Championship, totally different side how how they play. But it looks like they they, they brought that that style of football, totally tried to bring that style of football to the Premier League, and it's been to the detriment based on what we've what we've seen so far. Yeah, massively. Um, I don't know if either of you or any listeners uh, have watched the the, uh, the episode of the overlap with Craig Bellamy, but it's really interesting because he he talks a lot about the uh, the philosophy that him and Vincent Company have tried to kind of instill, and he's said very openly like they're absolutely not going to move away from that philosophy at any any point um, this season, which is really interesting that you know they've kind of set out the stall that they are going to try and make this possession-based football game work in, in the league um, despite the results they've had. So I, I think there's something really important about this this game that is just about, like like Phil said, let's not give them any cause for momentum or celebration or hope. You know, I, I think it, you know, although it's not for Premier League points, it's an opportunity to, um, to kind of kick them while they're down and put a bit of a sickener in on them. So I think, it, you know, it's important that we approach the game in the right way um, and like I was saying before, I, th- I think that organisation and that press is going to be so important to the success of the game because that seems to be where Burnley have really, really struggled. It's it's without the ball. 
and leaving so much space, which you just you can't do against Premier League sides. So I hope um, we we see a version of Everton that's ruthless and maybe not the kind of version of Everton we were seeing in the first kind of two or three games of the season where we weren't quite taking uh, the chances that we you know we were making when we were on top. I think you're right, and and I think that you know Burnley is is the is the kind of game whether it be in the league or in the cup where they're going such a you know through such a poor a poor run of run of form. They haven't adapted particularly well to the Premier League, and you know a win for them gives them a little bit of hope and momentum that they can take into the league, like like you said earlier on. So we want to avoid that because they're one of the sides that whether we like it or not, we're probably going to be fighting with over the quite a large portion of, of this season. So if we can inflict another defeat on them as much as they they may not see it uh, as as a massive massive game for them or massively important or, or 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 put too much on it i think it's important for us to as like you say one of the, the sides that we we are probably going to be fighting fighting with Let, let's let's give them a little bit of a um you know a little bit of a, a defeat and that hopefully by by a few goals but it, it's dangerous for isn't it from a bernie perspective like people saying there you know they don't want to change the philosophy you can't afford to be like that. You can't afford to be that stubborn when you come in to the Premier League, can you? You can look great in the Championship and, and play a particular brand of football. But if you don't adapt in the Premier League, then you, you're almost right and you're a bit too, aren't you? And you're almost looking, looking uh, a relegation right in the face. Yeah, it's funny enough, Pete, I was listening to that. Um, it was like a, the, the overlap with Craig Bellamy last night, actually, and he was saying, Gary Neville's asking the questions and he said, so you're not going to buy a six-foot-five forward in January and he just said no he said because Forrest had to change didn't he you know they you know they signed a lot of players and they had to end up going long ball and make their home for um ground the fortress and Bellamy was saying they're not bothered or that worried about being on the ball because they're that confident they are more bothered about what they do off the ball and the gaps are too big that's what he was kind of leaning towards so I think it'd be very stubborn and especially for Vincent Company he knows the league and, and Bellamy does and I know he's he's been to Anderlecht and, and things like that, but I I'd, I'd be it's quite naive for, if if that's what they're gonna do, um, because they just get swallowed up. They will just get swallowed up by everyone, and even the teams down there, you know, um, near the bottom. I'll, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't change his approach. Yeah, so so would I. I think sometimes you know it, these sound bites are great, aren't they? But these are the kind of things that. You know, sometimes you put out as a bit of a red herring, but if they do stick, stick to that, then then for me, then yeah, it's it's a, they're going to stay relegation in the face. They just can't afford to do that because, like we saw with Bournemouth at Goodison Park a few weeks ago, the manager wants them to play a particular way, and they, they were persistent with this playing out from the back. But unless you've got the the quality of player to do that, um, especially when you're at the bottom, the bottom end of the table, it's just not going to work. Is it? So it does take time. You can always go back to. To your philosophy and, and your brand of football and still be obviously trying to influence things in that way and get the players used to it. But you've still got to be, as a manager, you've still got to be show signs that you, you will adapt to the situation and, and you, you're not going to sit there and just be stubborn just because that's believe, that's how you believe football should be played. Well, we've had it with us. We Lampard, he tried to play out from the back and he, he openly said, I, I need to change. And it wasn't his kind of style, but... He had to do for the good of keeping the club up and, and trying to grind out results. And in the end, we we you know don't like going on about them seasons, but we we managed to stay up. And and obviously, like I mentioned before, Forest did exactly the same. And obviously, their their home record is probably one of the best outside the top four. So it'd be very naive if he if he did stick to that because I think he's staring relegation in the face. He is, he is, and we'll see obviously how that that plays out because obviously, as I say. Um, they're going to be in and around those positions as as we will will probably be. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. But hopefully, they do they do try and play open, expansive football and stick to the way that they that they want to play. Um, and that that would be to to our benefit on on Wednesday night. But let's finish off if we can with a, a round of addictions. Phil, what do you think Wednesday under the lights at Goodison Park? I'm gonna go with, and the reason being, I think it'll be a very special, poignant evening. I think it's. I think everyone's itching to get to Goodison Park, actually. I think it's one of the most special places to be under the lights. But I just think it's got something, you know, there'll be a big ceremony at the start with Ken Wright. And I think, I actually think the atmosphere will be very good, actually. I think you might hear a bit of a, you know, a roar in the in the, in the stadium. 
a bit like when we played them in Townsend, scored that screamer. I think there'll be something on it. Um, obviously, going through to the next round of the cup. And I do think he'll make change, and I think it'll benefit us. I think it'll be 3-1 Everton. I think we'll get at them first 20 minutes, score a goal, and then they'll have to come out on us and they leave gaps at the back. 3-1. A bold prediction. It's, it's amazing what a, um, a couple of wins can do for you, isn't it, in terms of your, your optimism? Um, Pete, do you share the same kind of optimism? I do. You, you've taken my prediction off me. I, I was going to say 3-1 as well, because I, I, I think I think Burnley will score. I think with it being a cup tie, and I think with the way they, they play on the ball, but I, I just think particularly playing them at Goodison tight pitch, I think we'll we'll get at them, we'll press them and I, I think we're going to get chances and um, that's how we make the most of them. So yeah, 3-1 Blues. I'm going to go for a 2-0 Everton. Um, I do think we'll get through and, and through to a quarter-final, you know, anything can happen when you when you get through to, to the latter stages of, of any cup competition. Um, so I do see us getting through it. I think we mentioned momentum being key. We're, we're in decent form. The confidence seems to be th- Flowing through the side, you know, whether it be defensively or or the belief that we can we can score goals, you know, how long have we 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 got over over seven years being unconvinced by the fact that we can go out and score goals. Um, there certainly seems to be a bit more resilience in in this side. So I'm going to say two nil, um, and and we'll we'll sail through to the to the quarterfinals. And what you say, Phil, will, will be a will be a quite a poignant affair. Goodison Park on on Wednesday, you know, it's sold out. Unsurprising, unsurprising. It's sold out. You know, expect nothing, nothing less than Everton fans. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully we, we, we do get ourselves through. And then obviously Brighton comes to Goodison Park on on Saturday. So like you were saying, not not in the best of form. Brighton drew against Fulham today, what one all at home, which is, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, so certainly looking ahead to that game, you know, let's keep the momentum going. Um, but that's us for today. Great to to always record after after a win, of course, and. And an away win at that. Um, so Everton eventually now looking like we're, we're starting to climb the table a little bit, uh, pulling away from that bottom three, which is which is always nice. So we will uh, we will catch you ourselves next week to, to look back on the uh, sorry next weekend to look back on the Brighton game and look back on the Burnley game in midweek. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.